Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Back to the Lord's house. Are you still thankful? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Stand up. Let's sing together. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind away? It was my tomb till I made you. I was breathing when I. Amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good, good. It's so good to see everyone here. Man, I, I just want to share with you what I shared with uh, First Service. I love that song. And one of the greatest changes in life was that moment when Jesus took the old and made something new out of it. Amen? Man, I'm so thankful for that. I mean, life brings us all kind of unexpected changes. The good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly, you know what I'm saying? 
College football ranks, rankings change. We don't like those. We all have that weird aunt or sibling that wants to attempt to cook for Thanksgiving, and they add some things into a dish that should not be there. Those types of changes, you know what I'm talking about. Anyone? Yes, yes. But the greatest change of all was what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that us receiving that into our hearts. So today we meet together here at Kavanaugh Church to celebrate that change to pray for more of those types of changes into those maybe in this room today, in our families, in our friends, in our coworkers. We pray for those types of changes. We celebrate that change, and we have fellowship in that change. So I want to just encourage you today. We are so glad that you're here today, but we all come together from different backgrounds, different places, and different types of life scenarios to on common ground to celebrate the change that Jesus has made into our lives. So thank you so much for being here today. It's awesome to have you, and we're so excited to be here and, and for what Jesus has for us through the message. I want to welcome any of our first-time guests. If you are a first-time guest here, thank you so much for being here this morning. We love our church and, and what's going on here. Um, there's a little Connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you would, fill that out, and then right after service, just take it out these back doors. We have a gift for you, and we'd love to tell you all about our church, all right? Man, again, great to see you all. I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Let's do it. Lord, I love you, and again, so thankful for uh, your son Jesus and what you did for us on the cross. Thank you so much for the, the change that you made in our lives, God. Lord, we just lift you up and we praise you for it. Lord, like I said earlier, we continue to pray for those types of changes. We, we have lost ones, of people that we love and we care about that desperately need to know you, God. So thank you for making the change in us so that we can start to shine light into their lives. And we pray that you begin to make a change in theirs as well. But there might be someone here today that has, has never made that relationship change with you. We pray for salvation today in this place. And we know that you've done it and you will do it again. So Lord, as your spirit flows and uh, it, through this place, help us to be receptive to what you want us to hear. And uh, we just pray for an awesome service, both here and back in the kids area. In your name, amen. Uh, greet those around you and we'll get started in just a couple minutes. ago, Will said something about um, watching everyone and that there were a lot of people not singing and that he was going to hire the singing police. Do y'all remember that? Anybody here remember that? Okay, we were watching. You get so much more out if you'll put something in. Even if you're not a singer, God deserves our praise. Let's sing to him this morning.
and we face evil and darkness every single day when we wake up and we step out and we go into the world it is oppressing it is oppressive but we are not in our forever home this is temporary and in Philippians 3 verse 20 it tells us that our citizenship is in heaven so every day we get up and we suit up and put on the armor of God so that we can deal with all that Satan throws our way. But our eyes are heavenward, right? This is not our home. This is not where we belong. We're going to sing it.
holy, holy, holy. Lord, thank you for your presence in our lives. I thank you for your Holy Spirit in the presence in this room. God, you are all sufficient. You are all knowing. God, you are loving. There is no other name that needs to be praised like your name, high above everything, God. We want to be thankful this morning for what you've done for us. Father, continue just to move in this place. Will you change our hearts? Help us not to be the same people when we leave as when we arrived. Do a work. Start with me. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fall and we would recognize it. We love you and give you all glory and praise to the one seated on the throne. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. glory, honor, and praise go to Jesus. He is our King, our Redeemer, and our Savior. Give Him a big hand today. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done and are doing in our lives. Well, th th this Sunday is kind of no man's land for a preacher, right? We've just finished Thanksgiving. Did you have a good one? Okay, what? You're still in a comatose state, I can tell from from too much turkey. Uh, and then Christmas is right around the corner. I'm, I'm preparing to preach a Christmas series, but I didn't want to start until December. So what in the world am I going to preach today? Well, the Lord answered that prayer for me. I, I kept reading a passage over and over, a little phrase that appears in the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In fact, I found over 10 times that this phrase is used and that's what I want to share with you this morning, this, this awesome little phrase. Freddie, it also reminded me of, of uh, something I did th three years ago. Um, of course, you know, Zane played for the Greenwood Bulldogs, who are headed to uh, War Memorial on Friday night to play for yet another state championship football title. Do we even have any Bulldog fans in this? Okay, there you, there you, there you go. Uh, this is the fourth straight year they've, they've gone to championships. I was trying to remember first service, how many state titles our football team has won. I said 47, but I don't think it was quite that many. Probably, probably at least a, a dozen of them. And uh, three years ago, uh, Chris Young, who's now the head coach, called and asked me to come down and, and speak to the football team. Well, I've, I've talked to the football team numerous times through the years because my kids have all played down there. And, and, but three years ago, I went and spoke to the team, and I shared with them a, a little motivational phrase that I learned in college. I think I've shared this phrase with you. It was my first year in Bible college. I was a sophomore in college, my first year at Hillsdale. And one day in chapel, a, a local pastor, Frank Wiley, came and spoke, and, and this is what he said in his message. Good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. And I thought, wow, that, that's pretty awesome right there. And so I, I wrote it down, and Stacy, that became kind of my, my philosophy or motif, not only in college, but really for my life. Good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. And so I threw that out to the Greenwood football team three years ago. Not long ago, I ran into one of the coaches at a local restaurant, and he recognized me, and he said, hey, you're, you're the pastor of Cavanaugh Church. You, you came and spoke to our football team three years ago, and you had that little phrase, the good, better, best thing, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I did. He says, we're still using that today. And I thought, yeah, man, what a great philosophy to live by. And you know what that is saying? That says, I'm going to give it my best. I'm not going to settle for, for good or better. I am going to give my best. And today, I want you to know, I am going to give my best to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give God 100% of all that I have. In fact, the message of the Bible is that our Christian faith cannot be compartmentalized. 
Yet that's what many of us try to do. You can't regulate your Christian life to church on Sunday mornings. It's got to kick in on Mondays and Tuesdays and Friday nights and every day of the week. It's got to work in a demonstrable way at school, at work, on the football field, on the golf course, at home, and no matter where you are. I'm really afraid that in our American culture, there is a disconnect for many people. That disconnect is between their belief in God and then their everyday values and words and actions. They just don't match up. I'll never forget a conversation I had years ago with a parishioner at my church in in, uh, Pine Bluff, Uh, and he was having this problem. Uh, He came to me, and, and virtually he was in tears and said, you know, the Lord is really convicting me because... I know the way I'm supposed to act. I'm supposed to act the way I do at church every day of the week. But he said, it's so hard to do that at work. There's so much peer pressure to talk like everybody else and act like everybody else. And I tend to do that. And and I said, well, what you're talking about is just being a part-time Christian. But you can't be just a part-time Christian. I mean, when you commit your life to Jesus Christ, it is all or nothing. The the core teaching of the Bible is that our faith should be pervasive, that it should radiate to every aspect and area of our lives. So let me start today by showing you this phrase that occurs repeatedly in the Bible. I want to read a series of verses, and then I'm going to focus on three of these verses in the New Testament. So listen to these passages and notice how all-inclusive the Christian faith should be in our lives. I'm going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and verse 6. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commands that I am giving you today, wherever you go, and here is my little phrase, whatever you do, you will be blessed. If you keep keep his commandments, wherever you go and whatever you do, your life will be blessed. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Then Proverbs 4.26, plan carefully what you do, and whatever you do will turn out right. Ecclesiastes 9.10, work hard at whatever you do. 3 John verse 5, do faithfully whatever you do. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Then Colossians 3, 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it, in the, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. Ecclesiastes eleven nine. 9, remember that God is going to judge you for whatever you do. And then one more, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so there you have it, that little phrase, whatever you do, it's found all through the Bible, whatever you do, whatever you do. Church, the, the life of faith is not confined to an hour on Sunday morning. It, it isn't merely a verbal or intellectual or passive faith. It is pervasive. It is to radiate through whatever you do. Now what I'd like to do for the remainder of our time is to take three of these verses that we just read and apply them with an emphasis on total life faith. The Apostle Paul used that phrase, whatever you do, three times. Two of them in Colossians chapter 3. So let me start with one of those. Whatever you do, do it with a thankful heart. Whatever you do, make sure you're doing it with thanksgiving. 
Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, that is, through Jesus Christ. So whatever we do, whether it is a word that we say or an action that we undertake, we are to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as Christ's ambassador through Jesus Christ himself as if Jesus were doing it and we are to do it as a Christian. And we should speak that word or perform that task with a spirit of thanksgiving in our heart. Now I know all of the things you do in a day's time sometimes doesn't seem praiseworthy. Maybe you don't do all the things you do with a thankful heart. But you know what? I think it's a state of mind. It's an attitude that we have. And we should look at the good in whatever we do, and we should be thankful that we're getting to do it. We should even be thankful sometimes for the bad things that happen in our life because God can take bad things and use them for his glory and for his good. So whatever you do... You need to have a thankful heart. Now, we just spent one whole day giving thanks. Right? I don't know how you spent Thursday, but this is the way I spent my day. I just walked around, and whatever I saw, I thank God for it. And I was just continually giving thanks to God throughout the day for all the stuff that I saw that he has given to me. And when I prayed, and I always pray at least three or four times a day, my morning prayer and my nighttime prayers are the most lengthy prayers, but during that prayer time, I didn't ask God for a single thing. I didn't petition him for one thing. I didn't ask him for anything. What I did was spend the entire time just thanking God. I wanted to be like that one leper out of the 10 who came back with gratitude in his heart and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know what it made me do, though? It it made me realize I do a whole lot of griping and complaining (laughs) and a whole lot of asking when I should be thanking God. So whatever you do, give thanks. Well, again, we just had Thanksgiving. Let me, let me tell you a story about a little fella. He was, he was six years old. His, his mom had spent the previous day and all Thanksgiving Day getting ready for the, the big meal. They had invited Granny and Granddad over, so not only had Mom prepared, his grandparents brought food. Aunt and Uncle were there with cousins. They brought food. And so the table was full of all this food. Now, this little kid was a macaroni and cheese kind of kid. Fruit Loops for breakfast, macaroni and cheese, pizza at night. That's all he liked to eat. And so he's looking at all this strange food on the table, not really knowing if he's going to like any of it. And for some strange reason, his dad asked him, the six-year-old kid, to bless the food. And so this little kid looked at his dad. He looked at the food. He bowed his head and said, Lord, I sure don't like the looks of it. But I thank you for it, and I'll try to eat it anyway. Amen. (laughs) And you know, there, there are a lot of things in life we don't like the looks of, but you know what? If we have the right attitude, we can be thankful. And whatever you do, give thanks to God. How many of y'all know the name Matthew Henry? Ring a bell. He was a a famous preacher, commentator. He wrote a commentary on the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It it is a a one-volume commentary. And if you are a preacher or a Sunday school teacher, you probably cut your teeth on commentaries with a Matthew Henry. I don't know, Jason, that was the first commentary I ever got. How about you? Yeah, very first one. I I went in my office this morning just to make sure it was still there, and yeah, it's on my shelf. It's, It's a big old thick book. Matthew Henry's commentary on the entire Bible. It's a great little commentary that's pretty big because it's the whole Bible in one volume. But here's something you may not know about Matthew Henry. One night walking home, he was robbed at knife point. They took everything he had. He went on home and he wrote in his diary the following. Let me be thankful. (laughs) What? I mean, he was just robbed at knife point. But he said, let me be thankful first, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. 
Third, because although they took my all, it wasn't much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. That's a unique perspective, is it not? In whatever you do, give thanks. Church, I'm here to tell you, thanksgiving transforms every word, every action, every deed and day into something special. That's a life of faith. That is faith in action. So whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So number one, whatever you do, be thankful. Give God thanks. Number two, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Put 100% into it. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Let me dissect that verse just for a moment. Whatever you do, you are to give it 100%. Whatever it is that you're doing, you put your all into it. You're not doing it for your employer. You're not doing it for the man. You're doing it for God, the man. So you give it your best. Because you're not trying to please men with your work, you're trying to please God with your work. And if you do that, if you give it your all, if you put 100% into it, God is going to reward you because of that. Now the remarkable thing about this passage is that it was addressed originally to those in the Roman Empire who were slaves. You see, there, there is a section of Colossians in which Paul is giving instructions to various groups. For example, here in chapter 3, verse 18, he speaks to wives. In verse 19, he speaks to husbands. In verse 20, he speaks to children. In verse 21, he speaks to fathers. In verse 22 and 23, he speaks to slaves. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he speaks to the masters or owners of those slaves. So let me go back up to verse 22. Here's what he wrote. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord. Here it is. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Now, the Romans practiced slavery, and widespread segments of the population were in bondage of slavery. But here the Apostle Paul says, even if you're a slave, you work with enthusiasm. You put your all into it. You do the best you can do. You do it as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for your earthly master. And as you do that, God will reward you with a rich inheritance. Now, I don't have to tell you, this is a phenomenal message. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you find yourself doing, whatever it is you do, you do it with all of your heart. You don't give it 25% or 50% or even 90%. Whatever you do, you give it 100%. So here is an application for that. If you're a student, you be the very best student you can be. If you're a homemaker, you be the best homemaker you can be. If you're a mama, you be the best mama you can be. If you're a dad, you better be the best dad you can be. If you work in a factory, you be the best factory line worker there is. If you have a white-collar job and you work behind a desk, you be the best in your office. If you are a sales representative, you be the best salesman in your company. That brings it down here to the church. You know, whatever it is you do in the church, you be the absolute best 
that you can be. If you're a Sunday school teacher, a C group leader, you be the best you can be. If you work in we worship, you be the best we worship worker there is. Whatever you do, give it your all. Whatever you do, do it with enthusiasm. You do it with all of your heart. I didn't get a single amen for that, so I think you need me to repeat that. Do it with all your heart. And do it for the Lord. You're not doing it for men. For it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. And from him you will receive an eternal inheritance. But I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, you got to be kidding me. I hate my job. I hate what I do. How in the world do you expect me to get up every morning and go into work and be enthusiastic when I can't even stand going to that place? Well, one way is just to start acting like you're enthusiastic. Somebody told me after I preached this first service, they said, preacher, I got another way to say that. Fake it until you make it. You just act as if you're enthusiastic. Now, I don't know if you have some favorite presidents. I had, uh, as a kid growing up, I had a, a favorite president. And, and uh, at Emerson Elementary School, they'd let us go to the library. And there were some good books in that library. But they'd let us pick books that we wanted to read. And for some strange reason, I would always pick books about Theodore Roosevelt. He was my favorite president, Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know if I liked him because his name was Teddy or he was a rough rider. I don't I'll tell you why I liked him. He was a man's man. He tackled whatever he was doing with a burst of enthusiasm and courage that was just absolutely spectacular. And I asked myself the question as I read his autobiography as a kid, where did that come from? Well, I, I, I researched Teddy's life. He grew up as a, a sickly little kid. He, he was paper thin. He, he suffered from asthma. And so when all the other kids were outside playing, Teddy couldn't go outside and play. He had to stay in the house. He was sick all the time. He was a little wimp. That's really the reason I liked him, because I was a sick little wimp when I was a kid most of the time. No, no lie, on my report card, first grade report card, how much did I weigh? 27 and a half pounds. That's what it said on my report card. I really did. That, that is horrible. That's a, that's a malnourished six-year-old right there, isn't it? I was a wimp, but I wanted to be a man like Teddy Roosevelt became. As a boy, he read book after book about manhood. His dad was a man's man, encouraged Teddy to get strong. He read one book that made a very deep impression on him. And in that book, some captain of a small British man of warship explained to one of his sailors how to acquire the quality of strength and fearlessness. In this story that Teddy read, the captain said that at the outset, most every man is frightened when he goes into war or into action. But here's what he said. The course to follow is for the man to keep such a grip on himself that he can act just as if he were not frightened. And after keeping this up long enough, it changes from pretense to reality. And the man does in fact become fearless by sheer dint of practicing fearlessness when he does not feel it. Let that swim around in your brain. Here's what Roosevelt said about that in his own autobiography. This was the theory upon which I went. There were all kinds of things of which I was afraid at first, ranging from grizzly bears to mean horses to gunfighters. Now, can I just pause right here and throw something in? If, if you're not afraid of grizzly bears and mean horses and gunfighters, something's wrong with you. Okay. But he went on to say, but by acting as if I was not afraid, I gradually ceased 
to be afraid. Fake it till you make it. You, you know what? The same theory holds true with enthusiasm. And I believe it is a faith action for Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that when we are in the will of the Lord, we should work at whatever we do with all of our heart as if we were doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. We should do it wholeheartedly and enthusiastically. And so by faith, we plunge into our task and we work hard. We work faithfully and we work enthusiastically. And we work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the Lord Jesus Christ comes the strength and the enthusiasm and the fearlessness. And finally comes the reward. And so here are two qualities, enthusiasm and thanksgiving, that are the most powerful psychological and spiritual attitudes known to us. Enthusiasm and thanksgiving can alter any personality. It can improve any life. It can change and transform any home. And so whatever you do, do it with a thankful heart. Whatever you do, do it with enthusiasm. Do it with all of your heart. Give it 110%. Then there's a third time the phrase is used by Paul, this time in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, I, I don't know if you have a life verse, a verse that you've let become your favorite verse that, that kind of guides you through living. If you don't, this would be a good one to, to write down. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In fact, I want you to read this one with me, all right? So let's read it on three. One, two, three. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Wow. That just kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Whatever we do, whatever it is we do, we should do it worshipfully. We should do it for God's glory. We should live our life as an act of worship to Him. Even the smallest things that we do every day, like eating a snack or having a drink at the water fountain or sitting down for supper, whatever we do, it should be done for the glory of God. Really, listen to this. All of life is our doxology to the Lord. That means that when I wake up in the morning, I praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's how I'm going to begin my day, praising God that I'm alive, praising God that I have an opportunity to, to live life. I shower and dress so that I can be presentable in the service of the Lord and I can walk out of my house as an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I eat and drink asking God to bless the food for the nourishment of my body so I can use my body in his kingdom service. As we go about our daily work, whether it's in the home or at the office or factory or school, we understand that we are the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus Christ. And if people are going to hear about the Lord, it's because we speak that truth. We are His. Even our exercise and entertainment is purposeful, that we might remain healthy and happy in our service to the Lord. And then when I crawl back in bed at night, it's another day finished for Jesus Christ, and I can fall asleep praising Him for the goodness and the mercy that followed me all day long. <laughs> wow. Can I tell you that worship is a lifestyle, and our every moment and movement is for Him. This is, in Charles Spurgeon's phrase, the art of holy and happy living. Our faith, if it is real, must be pervasive in our life. Jesus Christ should be Lord of every day, every moment, every word, every action, every activity. So whatever it is that we're doing, whatever you do, do it with a thankful heart. Do it enthusiastically. Do it with all of your heart because you're doing it for God, not for man. 
And whatever we do should be done so that God gets the glory and we're pointing up to him because he is deserving and worthy of all of our praise. So I don't know what you're going to do with this. I'm, you, know, you know what I am, don't you? I'm just the mailman. <laughs> I'm just delivering the word to you, man. But you've got to do something with it. This is the difference between a, a speech that is given and a sermon that is preached. You, you can't just sit there and do nothing with the word of God when it's presented to you. You have to take an action step. You either reject it or accept it. And, and today the Lord's laying it in your lap. And he's asking you, how, how are you living your life? How are you fleshing out your faith? And what you do and what you say, are you trying to be a part-time Christian? It doesn't work. He doesn't allow that. It's all or nothing. In, in fact, there's, there's a phrase in the New Testament to describe trying to live a part-time Christian life. It's called lukewarmness. If you've you got a drink of water and it's just kind of lukewarm, it's, it's not cold or hot, <laughs> man. Or what's worse than that is taking a, a monster drink, you know, energy drink, and trying to drink one of those lukewarm. It's horrible. You know what you want to do? Spit it out. And yes, that's exactly what Jesus said. If you try to live a lukewarm life, just ride the fence, live for Jesus on Sunday and the world the rest of the week, you're lukewarm. And here's what Jesus said. If you're that way, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He doesn't tolerate lukewarmness. It's all or nothing. So I don't know what you're going to do with it, but this is what I'm doing with the sermon for this morning. I'm telling God, Lord, I'm all in. <laughs> 100%. I'm fully in, fully dedicated. You've got all there is of me. So no matter what it is that I say, where I go, what I do, I'm doing it for you, God, so that you get glory. I'm doing it for you because I don't work for man. I work for you. I'm doing it for you, Lord, because I realize that everything comes from you, and I need to be thanking you and praising you for everything you put in my path. Amen. Today, what I'm going to do is... is what it tells us to do in the book of Romans. I'm going, to, I'm going to come and kind of climb up on the altar and I'm going to lay out my body and present it as a living sacrifice to God to be used by him. And I challenge you to do the same thing. There may be someone in this room who's never accepted God's gift of salvation. Can I tell you, Jesus loves you so much. He, he came to planet earth and he died on Calvary's cross to save you from your sins and give you a home in eternity in heaven. And all you have to do is receive that gift. We say here at Cavanaugh Church, it's as simple as ABC. Time out, I've got ABC pins back there on those back tables. Take as many as you want and share those with people. It clearly tells the plan of salvation. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe only Jesus can save you. He's the only one who can. And C, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved. If you're here this morning and you, and you just want to come and lay it on the altar and say, Lord, <laughs> That's the way I'm going to live my life, all in, good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. Come and do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got a burden, a pain, a hurt. You're going through a rough time and you need God's help and his advice, his comfort, and his strength. He's here today and he wants to help you. You bring your problems to him. Heavenly Father, I pray that our congregation would do that this morning, that we would come to you with life and lay it at the altar. Lord, if anyone in this room needs to be saved, I pray that they would come and receive the gift of salvation. For the rest of us, may we come and lay our life on the altar and give you everything, 100%. May we be able to say, Lord, in whatever we do, we're going to do it thankfully, enthusiastically, and we're going to do it worshipfully. Lord, for those who just need to come and pray and give you their problems and their cares, 
I pray that they would have the freedom to do that as well. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We give you our lives and we give you this invitation. I pray that you would move and do something great in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, would you come and pray? The altars are open. Come, come right now. Come and make your commitment to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. I thank you for Jesus and for the good life that you've given to us. I pray, dear Lord, that in whatever we do, we do it, dear Lord, for your praise, honor, and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Church, you can be seated just for a moment. I've got some people I want to introduce you to and, and let you know what they're up to this morning. This is Bob and Louise. Uh, their daughter is Miss Mona, and she brings Bob and Louise to church every Sunday. And they love Kavanaugh Church so much that they have come to join our church today. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I'm so proud of them, and I love them. They are, they are wonderful, godly people. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you vote on them right now with a hearty amen if you want them to be a part of this church. Do you? Amen. Amen. So our commitment to Bob and Louise is that we're going to pray for them and support them as they faithfully attend and serve Kavanaugh Church. Bob, it's your church for life now. How's that sound? Is that good? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Give them a big hand. Mona, thank you for bringing your mom and dad. Thank you. Y'all can be seated right there. And then I'm going to come down here with this young couple and family. I have Mary Beth Eford here, and then Keaton and Emily Dye. These are, these are the, the Eford sisters from Greenwood. I think Zane, Zane went to school with you, Emily, did, yeah? So I've known you girls for a long time, and uh, they have been coming to Kavanaugh Church, Stacy, for two years now, and they faithfully attend worship and Wednesday night. Y'all come on Wednesday nights, and you've, well, but you've been here Wednesday nights some and served there. What a wonderful, wonderful young group of people. I'm so proud of them, Gary, and their commitment to the Lord and to Kavanaugh Church. They want to make Kavanaugh Church their church for life. So if you fully accept them into church membership, let them know it with a big rowdy amen, amen. and a big round of applause. Mary Beth, God bless you. Emily, God bless you. Keaton, 
God bless you. Keaton brought his family with him today. So thankful that y'all are here. We love you, and we're going to support you, pray for you, and help you as you walk with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Brother Jason, would you stand up and pray for both of these groups as they have joined today? Amen. Amen. Hey, as you walk out today, make sure you put uh, your offering in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest, fill out one of those Connect cards. Take it to the Connect counter. We'll give you a gift. Wednesday night, we do church for all ages, and we're going to have service for the adults in here. You'll notice that across the lobby is that beautiful quilt. They're raffling that thing off, and all the proceeds are going to our next missions trip to Puerto Rico. So this is the last Sunday you can buy a ticket for that beautiful quilt. They're going to pick a winner next Sunday. We're raising money for Adopt a Missionary Kid. Uh, we've been doing this in some capacity for years here at Cavanaugh Church. We give Christmas to children. This year it goes to our home missionaries' children. We're going to be giving that to 36 children who are kids of home missionaries throughout the United States, plus another 45 of our kids at the school in Puerto Rico. So for $300, you can provide Christmas for one of these children. And I never ask you to do something that I don't do, and I've done this. Today I put my check in. So if you would do it, we would appreciate it. Just mark your check, Adopt a Missionary Kid, A-A-M-K. Or put kids on it. That'll work, won't it? Fantastic. One more thing. For the last several weeks, you've received one of these in your seat, okay? It, it is a plea for you to sign up for We Worship. Uh, they're making out the list of, of We Worship workers for 2024. Uh, in the third paragraph, it talks about the 1030 service, which we are in. We currently offer four classes for babies through three years old. In this service, we are looking for 52 pairs of volunteers so that the rotation would only require four times per year as well. And so that, that means if you and I connected as a pair, that would be one pair, and we would work, we worship four times for the whole year of 2024. So let me, this is a no-brainer. Are you breathing? Huh? Okay. So you're alive. Can you move your arms? Okay. Can you stand up? Then you qualify for a We Worship Worker, all right? In, in fact, Caleb and Ashwin, this is what I say. This is, this is something you don't have to go home and pray about. You just do it because you're serving the kids of our church. You're serving the future of our church. Caleb and Ashwin have been doing this as We Worship Directors for 10 years now. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Give them a big hand. Man. They are absolutely fantastic at doing it. And I can tell you, if, if I didn't already have a Sunday morning gig where I'm up here preaching, I would be the first to volunteer for We Worship. You know why? Because I learned so much about the people of the church from their... <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. Hey, on the back side, you can fill the form out, give it to Caleb and Ashwin today, or you can drop it off over there at the We Worship counter. Hope that you do this. It is a much-needed ministry in our church, and you will be blessed by God. And if you do this, if you become a We Worship worker, you do it with all your heart, wholeheartedly unto the Lord. Because you're not doing it for me or for Ashwin and Caleb. You're doing it for the Lord. Amen? Hope you have a great day. God bless you. Stay safe and enjoy the wind.